0: Hey, Alabaster Jar listeners, Lynn Koick here. I'm honored to be the provost of Northern Seminary. I love how the mission of Northern is to equip church leaders to engage the world. The classes at Northern are full of rich discussion and practical learning. If you've ever considered advancing your theological or biblical education, seminary is a great option to explore. That's why I wanted to let you know about a special opportunity Northern Seminary is offering if you apply right now. We are offering a $50 Amazon gift card to everyone who applies and is accepted for the fall quarter. So now is the perfect time to apply. Go to seminary.edu/ajapply to schedule some time with our admission team or to start your application today. Again, that is seminary.edu backslash a j a p p l y now sit back and get ready for today's episode
1: welcome to the alabaster jar a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith theology and ministry we are pleased to offer alabaster jar as a podcast of northern seminary Today on the podcast, we have a special episode for you. It's part of a a mini series where we are talking to students at Northern Seminary, and we are joined today by Laura Taro. Laura is a Master of Divinity student at Northern Seminary. She's also the assistant to the Dean of Program Development and Innovation. She's a pastoral intern at Batavia Covenant Church, and she's the co-host of the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight. We're so excited to be chatting with her today. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, Lynn and I are so excited to chat with you today. And uh, so like I just mentioned, you're the co-host of the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight, which is part of basically a a collective of podcasts that are hosted by professors here at Northern Seminary. So it's fun to have you over here on the Alabaster Jar today. Um, I'd love to hear what's been your favorite part of co-hosting Kingdom Roots so far.
2: Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to get to sit in on those conversations with Dr. McKnight. Um, he has the ability to pull in different authors and scholars, and it's been such a joy for me to sit and listen to them interact and to get to hear uh, just the history and the stories of different people and to be able to ask my questions and get to know some of these folks. It's been really,
1: really exciting. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
0: And Laura, I'm so glad that you're on the hot seat now. Uh, I hope it doesn't feel too uncomfortable, but we're really glad that you're joining us, um, as, as a guest. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's
2: kind of fun to be on the other side of things.
1: <laughs> yes. And I completely agree. I mean, what an amazing opportunity we have to just sit in the same virtual room as people and hear their conversations and their journeys. So I can completely relate to that. Um, So, you know, like I mentioned in our intro, this conversation is part of a special series where we're talking to women who are students at Northern Seminary. Um, So I'd love to take this moment to start by having you share with our listeners what you're studying at Northern.
2: Yeah, I'm a Masters of Divinity student, and I'm doing an emphasis on New Testament studies. So there's a lot of overlap um, between the two programs, but I'm kind of doing a dual focus, which has been a lot of fun um, to get into the history and the context of the New Testament, while also taking a series of supervised ministry classes that are really designed to prepare me for pastoral ministry. So it's been just a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. And you know, Laura, um, as we've been getting to know each other, I learned that this isn't actually your first time in seminary. You also hold a master's degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. So what drew you back to seminary that you made that decision to to put yourself through this all over again?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, I went to uh, TEDS when I was in my early 20s. I had uh, been in ministry for a few years and full-time ministry and at the time um, i wanted to finish a degree the organization that i was a part of um, for part of our training put us through a series of seminary classes so i had about half of a degree done and i thought well this is a good season to go ahead and finish that and i really enjoyed it but as i was in ministry after i graduated from ted's um there were several times where i thought there are pieces of this that i'm missing Um, and so when i Felt very strongly God's call to pastoral ministry. Um, I just had this sense if I was going to do this, I wanted to be as prepared as possible. I wanted to know as much as I possibly could about the Bible, about church history, about theology, um, and the practical side of ministry as well. And so I've, I've got a lot of that in my background, but I just felt like this is the time, this is the moment to really dig in um, and to to become as prepared as possible. And I think another part um, after about 20 years in ministry was the sense that I really wanted to be in a place that was intentional about promoting the gifts of women in ministry. I've been in a lot of places that are either silent on the issue or are um, just challenging places. And I thought, I, I want to learn these things in a context that sees women's gifts and encourages them. And I have certainly found that to be true at Northern. Um, It is definitely a place that calls out the gifts of women and encourages them to grow and expects them to use their gifts. So that was part of what I was looking for, was a place where I could do that and a place that was going to challenge me. And honestly, I wanted to be at a seminary where the professors were engaged uh, in current issues and were publishing and were active in the world of uh, academics because I want to learn. I want to learn everything I can. And I I just have deeply appreciated the level of scholarship at Northern Seminary.
1: Yes, absolutely. I agree. I've been here for two years and I've had the same experience, which is awesome. Uh, So you mentioned just now that you uh, were discerning a call into pastoral ministry and you're currently a pastoral intern. And I understand you're on a a journey towards planting a church with the Evangelical Covenant Church. So tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about how did you discern uh, that God was calling you to plant a church that God was calling you into pastoral ministry?
2: Yeah, this is such a good question. I think I've always known that God has called me to ministry. I would say since really my first um, experience of giving my life over to God when I was in my teens, it just very quickly became apparent that ministry was gonna be a part of what I was doing. Um, But I also grew up in a culture that really had very limited spheres available to women in leadership. So I think I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to tailor the gifts that God had given me into the spheres that I lived in. And I was trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, And I think that was true. And that worked for many, many years. Um, But I would say probably five or six years ago, there was a moment where I felt like God saying, you know, I prepared you for pastoral ministry. And at the time I was really like, I I don't know what that means. That was my honest response was that could mean a whole host of things. I'm a little bit terrified of what you mean by that. Um, but I also know that if you call me to a thing, then it's my responsibility to be obedient to that call. Um, and so soon after that, um, I felt like God was saying to me that he wanted me to start a church. And I honestly, it took me years to be able to say that out loud because to me, that was truly just um, like a bridge too far that God would ask me to do that. And I I told him afterwards, like, I am willing, I I want to be obedient, but you're going to have to really show me that this is what you want, because I would be a great helper. I'd be a great assistant in that process um but if that's what you're asking me to do as an individual that's terrifying um and at the time i was working as a freelancer editing books at home and a lot of times with publishers um, they would just ask me if my schedule was clear for a book and i wouldn't know what the title was or the content was and so i had agreed to do a, a a proofreading job on a book. And so a book arrived on my porch within two weeks of this conversation with God. And I opened it up in my office and it was a book on church planting. It was literally a nuts and bolts guide on how to plant churches. And I just sat in my office and laughed. I was like, you know, okay, if this is where we're going, (laughs) I, you know, equip me, I want to learn. And so um, I would say since that time, I've been fairly focused on that vision. And I've spent a lot of times in different circles trying to figure out how to get there. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're at. The evangelical covenant has been the first place I've been in that says, yes, we see you. We can see this call. We're prepared to equip you in this call. We want to send you, um, which has been such a gift, but it's still I'm still a little bit terrified to articulate it.
0: Well, and Laura, could I pick up on that just a moment? I resonate very much with what you're saying. And I feel so I resonate with it. I'm sympathetic. I'm also just as someone who, who has taught for a couple decades now, I see that kind of reluctance in, in young women, especially since I taught undergrads for so long, Um and less so in young men. And yeah. so I express a bit of like, gosh darn it, why is it that women are so oftentimes, just as you said, just scared to say out yeah. loud their dream in a way that I don't always see with, um, young men? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? And also, Serene, um, you know, maybe you've yeah. had the same experience.
2: Yeah.
0: I think a lot of this has to do
2: with a framework of reference. Um, I I have very rarely been in places where I've seen women in pastoral ministry, just in general. Um, so that's still a new frontier for me. And so the thought of church planning, I don't, I still don't really know women who do this. Um, I'm sure there are women who do this, but I think that's it's hard to. Visualize yourself in those places and to imagine that God could call you to those places if you've never seen it done. So I think for me that's that's probably the root of my fear. I think um, over the years, I think God has been really gracious in showing me like all of these experiences and places that I've been in ministry have really um, prepared me for this. I don't think I ever would have put those pieces of the puzzle together if he had not directly said to me, this is what I want you to do. Um, it still came as a shock to me. But, I, and and my first response is, I would be such a good helper in this. Um, and then when I look, because I knew of my background in evangelism and building ministry from the ground up, like I knew that I could do those pieces um, I just didn't think of myself as the person to do it. I thought of myself as the person to help someone else do it. Um, so I think there's there's a confidence piece that God has to grow in us. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is just me being willing to say, all right, I trust you. I, I It's new, it's scary, but I trust you. What about you, Serene? Have you experienced that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. You know, we hear this phrase, representation matters a lot these days. And Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely true in this uh, scenario as well. I grew up in a faith background where I didn't see any examples of women in ministry roles. And uh, when I started discerning a call into ministry, that felt very confusing to me because it didn't Uh, How could God be calling me to something that my church told me wasn't possible? And it felt like a huge contradiction. And so I pretty much set my sights on going into vocational missions. And that was the direction that I was on. And honestly, until uh, a couple of years ago at this point, a pastor sat me down and started affirming me and encouraging me. And he used the word pastoring in a sentence, which no one had ever used when talking to me before. And I immediately thought, wait a second, are you sure that's the word you meant to choose? Um, But it really set me on a journey of of digging in and asking a lot of questions, which is a, a large part of why I came to Northern as a student. And I would say part of the hesitancy as well is, The pastoral calling is a call to shepherd people in their faith journeys. And if there is a concern that as a woman, the call to be a pastor could be non-scriptural, then how can I in good faith pastor them if I could potentially be Going against the teachings of, of scripture, which is what certain faith traditions would say, um, and so it can be really confusing and frightening, even because there is that weight of responsibility, um, to discern the calling well and to make sure that, like, I'm um, being sound in my <laughs> scriptural interpretation. And it is, it's, it's, uh, it's scary to take that first step. So I, I can definitely relate to your journey for sure, yeah. So As you've been a pastoral intern, um, would you mind explaining to our listeners a little bit of what that means? What does it mean to be a pastoral intern?
2: (laughs) Yeah, at our church, um, the church I'm at now is a smaller church. And when I first contacted the pastor of the church, I said, "I, I need a place to do supervised ministry as part of my academic degree. And he agreed to do that and invited me in. And at our church, um, I do all the roles and responsibilities of a pastor. I preach once about every six weeks. Um, I provide pastoral care. I help with leading programs and um, helping in the worship service, pretty much in in any way that you can think of. Um, I got to help with my first baptism, which was such a delight. Um, It is such a good and humbling thing. I think uh, we're practicing communion this week and and having a role in that and being able to stand at the table and offer just the good gifts of God to God's people um, it's such, such a joy and a delight to my heart. And I think, um, there have been so many times where I'm just humbled, um, and also just really delighted that, that this is God's call on my life and that I get to step into it, um, and care for God's people. So, um, I would say in my setting, the pastoral internship is very much, um, kind of being thrown into leadership and taking, trying on for fit the role of being a pastor, um, and to see if it's a good fit. So it's it's been really fun. I get to sit in um, all of the leadership board meetings and listen to decisions being made on behalf of the church. And so it's been very instructive and there's something really uh, reassuring about, walking into certain settings next to a seasoned pastor. So you were getting to see firsthand um, how decisions are being made, how um, pastoral care, what that looks like. And so you're not just, the first time you're doing it, isn't the first time you're doing it. You're doing alongside someone else and learning from them and learning how to have those hard conversations, how to pray for people who are facing just real trials. Um, and so it, it's it's a gift to have this time and to be learning on the ground under someone else's supervision um, with the expectation that at some point you sort of graduate from the internship role into full-fledged, um, pastoring where you are the person doing the things. So it's, it's been, it's been great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And congratulations um, on the step in your journey. Do you have any words of encouragement or wisdom for someone who's listening to our conversation right now? And maybe they are where you and I were um, not so long ago and they're discerning (laughs) their ministry calling. Um, Maybe they even find themselves in a setting like us where there is no representation and they're trying to figure out Uh, how do I, how do I navigate this? Any words of encouragement for them? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot this morning and one of the things, and and this is such a hard word in so many ways, but I think the phrase that comes to mind is don't be afraid to leave home. Um, I think for me, for a lot of times, um, gosh, where we're raised in the church is where we're comfortable And I think the circles that I found myself, I knew how to navigate. But in a lot of ways, navigating those circles meant that I hid my gifts or I downplayed them or I purposefully presented myself in a way um, that really limited people's expectations of what a woman could do in the context of a church setting. And um, there came a point, a mentor of mine, um, I had taken on a new position with a church. And she called me and she said, I love what you're trying to do. And then her ne- the next words out of her mouth were, don't stay too long. And we had a whole conversation about it because I was determined that you know the culture would change, they would accommodate me, like we would grow together um, and that men and women could serve alongside of each other. And she said, "That's that's great and I hope that comes true. And she said, but these cultures are so hard to change. And sometimes you just need to be willing to leave home and to find places that already identify and promote these gifts. And so I, as much as I struggled against that for a long time, because I didn't wanna leave home, i that was safe, I understood it. Um, there came a moment where I thought in order to be obedient to God, um, I have to be willing to follow him on this journey. And that means stepping out into the unknown and goodness, we have scriptural precedents for this, right? Um, You know, you think of Abram being called out of the land of Ur to leave his father's country and everything he knew in order to follow God. And I think about Ruth, and I think, um, gosh, she had to leave her entire culture and her country and go to a foreign place, and on the way she encountered God in new and fresh ways, and, and pledged herself to be, to follow Israel's God. And I think, This is who God calls us to be. He's ascending God. And so there may come a moment. I'm not saying it's always this way, but there may come a moment where God asks you to leave home. And I think it's a willingness to say, all right, even though that's hard and scary, if this is what it takes to be faithful and to be obedient, then I'm willing to do it. Um, and to step forward, encourage, trusting that God will meet you in that in that journey, in that process. Um, even though there are probably moments that feel a little terrifying, yes. um, and where people and and understanding that some people who really love you may not understand what you're doing or why you're doing it. I think that's the hard, hard thing. Is that um, for a lot of women, it means really stepping
1: away from some systems that we've known. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you were talking about this journey and I'm wondering, um, what this journey has taught you about God's character as you describe, um, these figures from scripture and Mm -hmm. going on a journey. I found that when we take time to walk out the journey with God, we not only learn something about us, but we learn a whole lot about God's character. So, um, what have you been discovering about God as you've walked out your own faith journey?
2: Yeah. Oh, there's so much. I think the goodness of God, that God is so faithful and God is not too terribly concerned with our comfort. Um, but God is very concerned with our faithfulness. And, um, there are moments where I think God says, I want you to step out on this tightrope or step off the edge or whatever it is. Um, trusting that God is enough. And I think that, just deepens your connection with God. When you have that sense of dependence, I I thought about Jesus calling the disciples and sending them out on missions and saying, take nothing for the journey. I mean, that's a tall order, right? Um, I'm okay with going on the journey if I can pack a big suitcase. And and Jesus (laughs) is saying, take nothing, take nothing for the journey Um, because it, it reminds us where our strength comes from and where our abilities and our gifts come from. I just don't ever want to lose sight of that that um that these things are a gift of god they're a grace of god and and we need to keep that connection um to know where our source of strength and ability comes from
0: laura as you're talking about that i'm also and that's such a great um reference point in scripture and as the disciples went they went from town to town, and there was an expectation that they would receive hospitality. And if they yeah. didn't, it was like your friend said, you need to move on, right? Yeah. Um, and so what have you learned or experienced from community that has helped you uh, obey the call of God, as challenging as that can be sometimes?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that in this particular season, God has been incredibly gracious um, to me and to my family, because we really did step out of relationships, connections that we'd had for a very long time that felt very comfortable. And I was just thinking about this the other day about he God has been faithful to give us a new community and people um, that have have come around us and celebrated who we are. And I I really mourned the loss of the previous setting, and it, it took some time for me to um, be hopeful that we could ever find that again. Um, but I think there's 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 been rep- there's been a new development. There's been um, people who have been gracious to receive us and to prepare us and to call out giftedness and to be supportive in ways that are definitely new um, that we haven't experienced before.
1: So I think that's that's been really good. That's great. And you know, um, Lynn might want to speak to this a little more. We were chatting earlier about uh, just uh, how this affects people of different generations. So, um, you know, you and I might be having a different experience from from what uh, our sisters who have gone before us have experienced. Lynn, did you have anything you wanted to speak to that?
0: Sure. Sure. Well, it, it came to my mind because I was talking with a friend of mine who um, is, um, she also has grown kids. We'll put it that way and not put a date or a number next (laughs) to it. Um, but, um, but she was saying that, you know, she, she's a well-known speaker. She has had lots of opportunities, but in the last decade or so, um, she also became co-pastor with her, um, with her husband and wow, things just really change. People now when she has pastor behind her name, suddenly now, oh well that's not right. Oh, you shouldn't, you know. And that's such a typical experience of people mm. in, you know, their fifties and sixties like us. We it 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 just there there's a strong resistance um, to that. And And I think maybe that still exists in the thirty-somethings. But you know, I was just curious to hear how how do you do you experience that kind of general resistance from your age mates? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I
2: think um, I did experience, like I said, with my mentor telling me not to stay too long, and for years. I would go to women's leadership conferences and I felt like inevitably I would have this conversation with some, an older woman who'd been in ministry for a long time where that was basically the bottom line. Like you need to stop trying to change the culture that you're in and move into a culture that's prepared to see you. Um, Felt like I had that conversation many times and I resisted it because I wanted to believe that God's people would appreciate God's gifts wherever they were found and would encourage them and let them grow. Um, so I really was like, no, we we can do better. We can be better than this. Um, until it just became clear, like maybe these circles just aren't ready. They're just, you know, some of them are just not ready um, to step into this, this way of thinking. Um, but one of the things that I found over and over again, um, was the response of other women, I think, particularly in my age group, I think there's a real hunger um, to have interactions with women who are theologically trained, who have just a deep understanding of scripture. I think there's a real hunger for women to have those conversations with other women who they feel like can be their guide. Um, So I, I think that alone gives me insight into there is a gap in our church cultures, um, where I think there are a lot of women who are saying, I am struggling with this real life issue. I really would love to have a woman come alongside me and help me understand this from a biblical perspective. And more often than not, there's just an echo, like there's just an openness and an echo that happens when those questions are shouted, because there's not a lot of women that can step into those places and have those conversations Um, which really breaks my heart because I think there are also equally a lot of women out there that are really gifted as leaders and have spent a lot of time learning scripture and studying theology who are so well equipped to take on those roles Um, so there's a need and there's an answer to that need I think God is always gracious to provide you know resources in that way I think we're just not getting those connections And, um, a lot of that has spilled out into, um, a world that exists outside of most church structures. So we have bloggers, we have authors, we have Bible study, you know, teachers, um, who are doing a phenomenal job, but those are all outside of the church. And I really do think that God and his intended instrument is the church, um, So I I wish that a lot of these churches would welcome women who are gifted and trained into these roles uh, to serve in that way. I think, I think honestly that's what honors God the most is when men and women are serving alongside of each other with their gifts and supporting each other and calling out their giftedness and um, having reference points for people, for everyone in their congregation of who to look to. Um, We talked about that frame of reference. So I, I, I really do think that's where God wants to lead us. I think, um,
0: and I, and I, and I, I, and I think, Yes. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, sorry. I, I resonate so much with what you're saying. And I think the, um, for most churches, women leading other women is not so much of a problem, but when a woman yeah. seeks to lead a man using her giftedness, that's where the, the tension can come in. And I, I've, Thought before, and you know, I've written a couple of commentaries, and because my name does not have an E at the end, some, and so it's spelled the same way that a man can spell the name Lynn, uh, I yeah. may, um, you know, be on some pastors' shelves and they think I'm a man, <laughs> at least till they see me. And then, you know, they're, they realize, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I've, I've thought how sadly ironic it is that. Some pastors would gladly read my commentary and even say, quote me, you know, in their yeah. sermon, but would never invite me to give the sermon. Right. And I, and that's where I just, I think, boy, there's there's some craziness going on when I can't Speak before the congregation the very words that I wrote on the page that you are affirming by you speaking <laughs> to the congregation. It's so true. And, and so it's I'm so kind of hopeful that that craziness, you know, will eventually be uh, resolved, where people realize, okay, yeah, it, it there has to be sexism going on there if you feel that my voice in a higher octave is somehow inappropriate. To express God's word, but I can write it on a page and then you can speak it. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. So true. It is a little bit.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, I think um at the root of all of that is that question is that does God intend that men can learn from women? Um and and I think I think there are enough biblical examples of that in in operation um, already that that we can affirm that, that, yeah, God God intends for us to learn from one another. He intends for women to learn from men and for men to learn from women. I think that's in scripture. I don't think it's a big secret. I just think we have not taught it as clearly as we could have. Um, And I think it's an opportunity missed.
0: Okay. Um, well, we're talking about books just a little bit. And as we're coming to the to the conclusion of our conversation, I want to know, are there books that you're enjoying right now reading or some recommendations um, Mm. that that you have for us? You're the copy editor. You're the one that has the inside (laughs) knowledge, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point in my life, I'm reading a lot of books for school, but I do try to fit in um, when I have breaks. Books for my own edification outside of school, and I would say, and a lot of a lot of times when I have free time to read, I I turn to Eugene Peterson. Um, I I find his writings, specifically the ones that were written for pastors on pastoring, I find to be so helpful, and uh, just in terms of the 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 need for the spiritual formation of the pastor and the, the need for pastors to be in connection and good relationships with other pastors and with other people. Uh, I think all of that's incredibly helpful. I just read Working the Angles, which I found to be really encouraging. Um, I'm also reading Who is God? Key Moments of Biblical Revelation by Richard bockham And that's, that's the one currently on my nightstand. And so when I have some time, I turn to that. And that Is such a rich work of reflection on God's character. Um, So anytime that I have those moments, I try to fit those in.
1: That's awesome. And I think we are going to be getting to read some books with Lynn here shortly because we're both in a a cohort at the end of the summer. That's wonderful. Well, Laura, as we wrap up our conversation here today, I just uh, I want to say thank you so much for uh, just being a lifelong learner for your faithfulness and your steadfastness on the journey of following God and the example that you are setting Uh, for other women who might be uh, following in your footsteps as we follow in the footsteps of, of sisters that have gone before us. And I just wonder, as we close out our conversation today, um, you know, we've talked about that hunger and that drive to learn and to learn from one another. Is there anything that's challenging you or inspiring you currently? Um, here on the Alabaster Jar, we talk about current issues that are impacting women. And I wonder, what's an issue that's standing out to you right now that's particularly challenging or inspiring? Hmm. I've
2: been listening this summer, um, to, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. And, um, it's such a difficult series to listen to. Um, and it's, it's in some ways so heartbreaking to, to follow the rapid growth and then rapid destruction of a church, um, but I've tried to approach it with this sense of, um, what can we learn? What can we glean? Uh, what can we do differently? And I think, um, particularly there's some gender issues as part of that. And I think being able to just look at that and evaluate that and say, how can we do better as a church? How can we create an environment that really honors God, um, and honors God's people as image bearers of Christ. Like, how do we do this in a way that um, is is hopeful and looking to God to change hearts and to develop maturity and, and followers of Christ? Um, because that's our role as pastors, is to, to nurture that growth and development and not to belittle, not to bully, not to harm, um, but to seek the good of the people that we're called to care for. So that's, that's kind of a tough one. But I think um, with the goal of church planting in mind, that's how I listen to those things, because pastors do have power. Um, and, and so how do we use that in a way that honors God? How do we hold that and step into that in such a way, um, hold it loosely in a way that that points first to Jesus? And I would say that's kind of my takeaway in all of this, is I always want to be about Jesus first, and how as a community do we do that? Um, There is a need for leadership, there is a need for guidance, but how do we do that in a way that always points back to Jesus as our true guide, as our true leader, and honors him?
1: Yes. And amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today as a guest on the Alabaster Jar podcast. It's been a delight talking with you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to another episode of the Alabaster Jar podcast. This week was a special conversation with Laura Taro, a student at Northern Seminary. We hope you'll join us back here again next week as we continue this special series of conversations with Northern Seminary students. We hope that you felt encouraged and challenged today, wherever you are at on your journey